Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. Today we're going to continue talking a little bit about the house rules and what the house rules used to be and maybe what could happen to make things a little better for us uh, here in the present with the house rules. Before we get to that though, I want to talk a little bit more about Nehemiah. We started that conversation yesterday and Uh, So if you haven't heard the background of Nehemiah, I'd encourage you to watch or listen to yesterday's episode. But today I want to just keep going from Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 when it talks about Nehemiah fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The next few verses are actually Nehemiah's prayer. And I think it's worth looking at uh, the way that he prayed and how he prayed. And I certainly don't believe that we have to be exactly like Nehemiah and pray the words that he prayed or even the format that he prayed. But I do think that it's really interesting that this is not the first time uh, in scripture It's not the only time in scripture that the Lord talks about or shows us that having a repentant heart is key. Having a repentant heart um, toward God, being having a humble spirit, you know, in second Chronicles, it says that if my people humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, which is what repenting is. So we see this pattern with Nehemiah as well. And I'll just read a few verses for you and then we can get into our topic uh, on the house rules. But I think that um, this is really worth repeating probably more than once that the people, not, not churches or pastors, but the people who make up the church in America, in Missouri, need to come back to the Lord with humble and repentant hearts. So in Nehemiah chapter one, verse five, it says, and I said, this is Nehemiah praying to God. I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now, day and night. And again, that just goes to show that Nehemiah was so fervent in his prayers. It wasn't just, you know, a quick bedtime thing. He was fasting and praying day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. And I think that it's important to note that Nehemiah understood the nation as a whole 
had turned its back on God. They had sinned and he was repenting for that sin. And I believe that I can say that about my nation today. As a nation, as a people, as a whole group, we have turned our backs on God. And believers need to repent on behalf of the nation, on behalf of their state governments, their county governments, their city governments, for turning away from God and from righteousness and from his precepts. Verse seven says, we have acted very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments or the statutes or the ordinances, which thou didst command thy servant Moses. And then he goes on, remember the word which thou didst command thy servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. And they are the servants of thy people whom thou didst redeem by thy great power and thy strong hand. So Nehemiah then, after he's confessed and repented, he reminds the Lord of the promise he gave. And he claims that promise. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants who delight to revere thy name and make thy servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man, which was the king. So Nehemiah did pray for success after he had repented, after he had reminded the father of the promise. And then he asked for success and it was granted. God gave him success with the king. So I would encourage you to study that a little bit today and pray like Nehemiah. So in talking with uh, you about the house rules, I think it's an important thing for you to know that the house rules have not always been the way they are right now. And uh, we, a friend of mine, actually did the research to go back and she found a really old copy of the rules at the Secretary of State's office. I think it dated all the way back to the mid 1800s. And it was really interesting to see that way back then, it Everything was completely different as far as how the house operated, how it functioned. One of the things that was uh, really the most notable is that they didn't even have or they didn't have to have a speaker. In fact, the rule said it referred to the speaker if there be one. The speaker literally had no power other than he was to facilitate and keep decorum uh, in the house, in the chamber. So that's probably what you assume that it would be today. But of course, we know that's not the case. So back then, um, there were sometimes not even a speaker. And if there wasn't an official speaker, they just took turns. It was literally spelled out that they were to take turns uh, day by day. 
and they were to go in order and by seniority of who actually sat on the dais and facilitated the day's action. Another thing that's really a different for, from now back to then is that uh, the committees were formed very differently and they functioned very differently. The committees didn't have the power to kill a bill. They actually just looked at the bill, read the bill, made sure that the bill didn't violate any other laws. And then it came, every bill came out of committee and every bill was heard on the floor so that there wasn't this power um, that the committee had to actually kill something. The speaker um, did refer bills, but not in the same way as he does today. It was uh, more, more just like this bill is this topic and it goes to that committee. And it was the representatives themselves that chose which committees they wanted to be on. And if the committee was full and they, you know, if let's say the committee had 10 people, but there were 15 people who uh, wanted to be on the committee, then it was literally a draw, like they put names in a hat and they just drew names out. So there was none of this, um, you know, vying for favor with the king, basically, uh, the king in this case being the speaker. So of course there were a lot of things in those rules that don't apply today. I mean, there was a rule about a spittoon and, and all, all sorts of things like that that wouldn't apply to today and the names of their committees were not appropriate for today. But you could definitely see that the heart of the rules was completely different than they are today. And somehow along through the years, changes were made, probably not huge ones every year, probably small changes, but eventually things changed enough that today it looks completely different. Today, it looks completely different. The speaker has all the power. Our rank and file representatives basically have none unless they have favor with the speaker and the majority floor leader. So I say that to tell you this, I don't believe it's appropriate that we go back to the rules of 1875, but I do believe it's, it's very necessary for us to make some changes in the rules. But in order for that to happen, we have to have representatives who are willing to stand against the speaker. And what happens is that they see and they understand the rules are their downfall, but until they have a critical number of representatives who are on their side, they're afraid to stand up and speak against the rules to change them because if they don't have enough votes and enough people don't stand, then that leaves the ones who did stand out on a limb. And when that happens, when you have, let's say, if it takes 56 representatives to, to um, make the change and we only have 30 who stand, then those 30 suffer uh, repercussions from the speaker, they don't get their bills through, the speaker won't refer their bills, um, they, they aren't able to make the progress on the things that are important to them. 
So they're afraid to stand. And they're afraid of um, standing and then being left standing alone. And so what we have to have in order to make significant changes to the rules that would actually equalize the power in the House is we have to have enough representatives who are passionate enough and feel hopeful enough that they can actually accomplish it, that they actually would take the action necessary to get it done. And we believe that uh, it's important for you to understand how things operate and for you to reach out to your representative, ask questions and make your wishes known. Say, listen, I appreciate the position that you're in and I know it's a struggle. But I would like to see these rules changed for the better so that the speaker doesn't have so much power. And would you be willing to stand? Would you be willing to work to find other representatives to stand with you? And then watch and see what happens. And, you know, it has to come to a place where we, the people, understand what's going on and we hold our legislators accountable for their actions and for their votes. If they're just unwilling to do that, then probably in the next election, I would find someone else to vote for. And if there was no one on the ticket, I probably would leave that one blank. Um, obviously, if there's no one on the ticket, they're going to win. But I think it's just really important that we start to have real conversations in an honorable and respectful way. We can ag agree to disagree but at the end of the day, if we've made our requests and our petitions known, then the power that we have as the people is to exercise our vote in accordance with what we know to be true. So I would encourage you to reach out to your legislator, your representative today, have a conversation about the rules, ask them how they feel about the rules, if they'd like to see any changes and what changes they might suggest. I would suggest a change in the way the chairman of the committees are, are chosen, a change in the way that the committee members are chosen, a change in the way that bills are referred so that things are more equal. So those are my suggestions. You can take them or leave them, but um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I hope you're encouraged today. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at jodygrace.com. I'll see you soon.